Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan. And man, I am excited because I am joined today with my friend, Mike Hatch. He just wrote a book, and we're going to discuss that book in a few minutes. The Gospel Addict Podcast, it's all about the gospel. The gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the A to Z of the Christian life. We never move beyond it. And I think this is a big part of Mike's book, and we hope to get to that especially helping men with some of the issues that that men struggle with. So, Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Man, Greg, I am really, really grateful to be here. So I was pumped when you reached out to me on LinkedIn and uh, asked to have me on, man. I'm I'm really excited to reconnect with you because you were on our podcast, I think we said maybe a year ago or so. So this is really, really fun, man, getting to reconnect. It is. It's super fun. And I was telling you before we started recording that, you inspired me actually to get back into podcasting. So since, um, cause you, you invited me and you interviewed me for your podcast and that just kind of lit a fire under me and I've, you know, got started re- kind of restarted this gospel addict podcast and have over, I think 250 episodes published and being listened to all over the world. It's, it's the coolest thing. I love the organic nature of podcasting. I know you're you're into podcasting too. Don't you don't you just love that? Oh, I love it. Yes. It's one of the greatest networking tools. Um, because typically you won't find anybody for the most part, unless someone is really big time, like you're not gonna find anybody who won't just say yes to coming on your podcast. And uh, because you're exposing them to your audience and and vice versa. And so you end up overlapping your networks, you know, and growing the influence and, and helping to spread the message. Um, and just you meet amazing people like like yourself, like we get to meet you. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's, that's the way I feel about you too, Mike. And I mean, we have, you know, so many, yeah, it, it's just the coolest thing, the the networking uh, aspect of it. And, and like I mentioned to you, I hope that some days our paths cross in real life, as opposed to, uh, just online here. But let's dive in because you just recently published your first book. Um, Tell us about that. Tell us, uh, first of all, tell our audience a little bit about your background. And then I want you to explain what inspired you to be to write this book. Yeah, okay, great. I um, I have been in ministry pretty much my whole life. So I, I grew up in a Christian home. My father was in ministry, and I always told my dad when I was, when I was young, I said, I'm, I'm going to take over your ministry when you die, <laughs> which he really appreciated that. <laughs> so from an early age, I always felt, I don't know, I felt a desire to want to serve God in, in some way, and it, there were many ebbs and flows along the way, though, uh, as I talk about in the book, unfortunately, you know, my, well, my family ended up breaking apart. My parents got divorced when I was in high school. Tumultuous experience, really tough. In some ways caused me to question my faith. But at that moment, and I don't know if we have this connection in in mind or not, I forget, but Young Life came into my life at that time. Yeah. Okay. 
Yes, and I came to faith through Young Life. I'm forever grateful to to Young yes. Life. Uh, when I was uh, 16 years old at uh, Frontier Ranch. Oh, <laughs> brings back memories. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. So, yeah, so I came to faith at, or took ownership, I guess, of, of my faith at that point in time. And those Young Life leaders became the most stable adult relationships in my life when my family was literally crumbling and falling apart. So it was a huge deal for me. Um, the, but the struggle was along the way was because of a lot of the the tumult and some of the, how do I say this? Well, I was also sexually abused by a babysitter at one point as well. Along with some of the family struggles, it just, it really caused me in some ways, apart from my sinful nature, <laughs> to, to move towards pornography. And uh, it became a big addiction for me when I was in high school. And that continued on in college as well. And until, until my wife walked, well, excuse me, she's my fiance at the time, walked in on me while I was looking at pornography on the computer. And it was without a doubt, the most humiliating, shameful experience that I can remember, remember in my life. However, everything that I had been hiding, you know, and tried to keep secret or pinned down kind of came spilling out for everybody to see. My worst nightmare was dis was experienced, yet simultaneously I felt the unconditional love and grace and covering of Christ over over my sin and, and my life, which absolutely transformed my life completely. So then from there, it really became my mission to, as I say, walk in the light as he is in the light in order to be a light for the glory of God. And that comes from 1 John uh, chapter 1. And so that... And then that took on the kind of the, that was my mantra in ministry from that point on in young life when I would deal with, with boys or young men training leaders or leading committee, adult committee members and parents. And, uh, and then after young life, I became a men's pastor at a larger church here in Pittsburgh in the North Hills of Pittsburgh and did that for about seven years. And same thing, just continuing to disciple and mentor men and seeing all sorts of themes come out of my experiences doing that, both in my own story and the stories of, of guys that I would meet with. Because as I would meet with men, I'd, I'd want to share my story because someone shared their story with me. And that's that was one of the first times I had ever heard someone share openly about that struggle. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to fully bring me into the light until God kind of pushed me into the light through my, my wife finding out. However, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I could be open and authentic and transparent about it so that other men would be able to, to hear about it and have that opportunity to step into the light um, and not have to be forced like I was. So anyway, so that was, that's been kind of my trajectory again, ministry. Now I, I left the church. I was on staff with CLC for a while. I don't know if I told you this, but I, I did leave staff with CLC and now I am a truth at work chapter president. Oh, where, I lead uh, executive roundtables of business Christian business owners and entrepreneurs, and uh, part of my story is that I've I've a passion for economics, especially from a biblical Christian perspective. And uh, one of the things that God has lit a fire in my heart about are are about those people, those Christians out there who have taken a step of faith, have chosen to wrestle with the thorns and thistles of this life to be able to produce and create value for others, and not just simply be a consumer. And so uh, I, my, really my call is to encourage and equip those, those folks to make an impact um, for the kingdom of God in the marketplace. So then 
basically then as I was a pastor at Orchard Hill was when I felt the, I guess the call to, to write a book. And I started the process then. So that would have been, you think here, it's been three, four, maybe five years ago, I think. I spoke to a friend of mine who was kind of um, mentoring me in the ways of entrepreneurship. And he said, you know, you might have to write a book. And and I I don't know why. I had always kind of just said, no, I'm not going to do that. There are too many books. Everybody's written a book. But that planted a seed in my heart. And uh, and God just kind of continued to to grow that in me, that desire in me. And then finally, um, he, in a very clear way, and I'll, we can talk more about it, he kind of gave me, I think, a, a nice, concise message and, and kind of packaging to, to fit that into. Um, and then it's been, yeah, so that, that was kind of my, my impetus for writing the book. I wanted to share a little bit about my story, but also I wanted to write a book that was truly gospel-centered a men's book that was truly gospel centered. So many men's books that I have read over the years claim to be gospel centered, but yet still really advocate for this works oriented, you know, laying heavy burdens on men. And I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted to write a book that would, that would give men a sense of freedom and drive them back to God's word and, and be empowered through, through the Holy spirit's work in their life in conjunction with his word. And so that's where the kind of the name of the book came, Manhood Empowered by the Light of the Gospel. Yeah, so the book's titled Manhood Empowered by the Light of the Gospel. You can look it up on Amazon.com. Um, um, it's got a really cool picture on the front of it. Is that you in the picture or is that some? No, I wish I could. I can't say yes. <laughs> I want to say yes. Everybody has told me you need to just say yes. Yeah. It is not me. It is not me in there. But it, yeah, everybody asked me that question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's. Let's face it. It's a really really cool picture. And I was, cool. you know, I was thinking, oh man, they, you know, um, I don't. Do you have any idea what the back where that was taken? Was that in Colorado or? You something? know, I don't. I don't. It was one of those um, image libraries that that I was looking up here. It, so you'll think this is maybe you'll think this is funny. What I did not want. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wanted a picture of a guy on the front and like something about like being on a mountaintop or something like it. But I did not want that, that stereotypic, you know, outstretched arms kind of yes. thing is so overdone. I wanted a guy who is standing up there somewhat relaxed, but yet looking like, you know, he's, he's empowered, you know, or that he's got, um, he's there at a summit and, and kind of enjoying the experience, not overly dramatically. <laughs> That's right. That's good. Well, it's a, it's a great picture. You know, your first chapter, you actually um, talk about being disempowered. Yeah. And so why don't you explain um, how that comes out and how you not only felt that in your own life, but also you see it as kind of a, a cancer among oh. men. Yes, exactly. So being what I kind of describe as being trapped or enslaved by the dark is the idea of being, of being disempowered and, and disempowered. What I mean by being disempowered, I mean that a man is, he kind of loses his ability to affect change, especially for the, for the kingdom of God. He is, he's somewhat impotent. And it's funny because most of these men are actually in power <laughs> often mm -hmm. And are empowered in other ways, but are really disempowered, you know, when it comes to their their soul and, and their relationship with God. 
But I, I remember when I was a young kid living with my grand, well, not there was a time I was living with my grandparents, but I would visit my grandparents' house and they had this really scary, dark cellar. And even when you turn the lights on, it's, the light wasn't very prevalent. And so, so you'd still have shadows and there, it was a big cellar. There was a crawl space that was really scary. <laughs> you know, there was. This sounds like Am- Am- Amnaville horror, you know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of those uh, horror movies, basements. Yes. Yeah. So, sh- you know, ghostly shadows were cast on the walls. Anyway, I would be sent down there sometimes to get my grandparents would keep canned goods down there or I'd have to go get laundry because they had their laundry down there. And man, it was so scary. And I would I would sprint back up the stairs as soon as I could because I was so scared. And just remember that tingle up the back of my spine. Right. And and it was funny too. Often I'd be in such a rush that I would, I would forget something and I have to go back down again, which was even worse. Oh man. So, but anyway, I, so I was scared of the dark and most of us as kids are scared of the dark. Like that's, that's, you don't even have to learn that. It just, we believe at the core of us that what we don't see could potentially hurt us. And so when you can't see because of the dark, it really causes you to, as especially as a child to be scared. And at some point along the way, my thinking changed. And from a spiritual perspective, the dark became my refuge huh. in order to hide the things I was most ashamed of. Um, and so I was I was more afraid of the, of the light. I was more afraid of being found out. And so because of my sin that I was hiding. And so that that's, you know, first John chapter one talks about walking in the dark versus walking in the light. And it says, you know, if you're if you're saying one thing, but you're living or saying one way that, that you, you know, professing that you know, God, that you're living a different way that's hypoc- uh, hypocritical from that then, or contrary to that, that you're, that you're in the dark, you're living a lie, you're making God out to be a liar as well. And that's where for me, because I was living in fear and insecurity, basically, because of my hidden sin, I was, I was disempowered. And, uh, and that didn't allow me to, to live a, a courageous, free life, you know, for, for the sake of God's kingdom. That's really good. And then you also in the book talk about how, as you would meet with men, and maybe you would, you would share your, your struggle Yeah. that you found out that I think one of the biggest things with men is we feel like we're alone. Hmm. We feel like we're the only one struggling yes. with this with this one issue or um and 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 it's almost like the enemy isolates us on purpose yes to to make us feel so like desperate or or alone that um you know it disempowered basically yeah yeah, yeah. It disempowers us right and and that's and you hear this often i think in church that hey we're meant for community we've got to be in a relationship but yeah, when we're not, and most men are not. I mean, studies show the majority of men don't have very close friends. And we spend a lot of our life isolated in very shallow relationships or acquaintances, and we don't ever feel known. So so we're, in, in that sense, we're in the dark because nobody really knows who we, who we truly are. And we'd be, we're afraid most of the time to, to share who we truly are. Hmm. That's very good. Um, so you... 
um, go on and well, so actually I'm thinking of a lot of different things here. One is I was thinking of the story of David and Bathsheba actually. Oh yeah. And wondering if David, when Nathan confronted him, hmm. if David actually felt relief. Uh, I, because actually, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I mean, don't you think he, he probably actually felt relieved that he got caught. Oh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think he did as well. And I'm just, I'm trying to remember. I always get this. Is it Psalm 51? Psalm 51 or Psalm. There's yeah. two Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 51. Yeah. I think you see it in Psalm 51, which is the Psalm where David expresses his, his, uh, it's his response to Nathan calling him out yeah. in his sin, like you said. And, um, and he says, where does he say? He says, uh, do not cast me, restore me. Oh gosh. There's a part where he definitely says something to the effect. And maybe I'm looking at the wrong one where he says that when he was, when he was silent, that his, he wasted away. And, uh, so you, you could tell that there was this, this, um, effect on him this visceral effect literally uh, on him about that's psalm 32 because that's psalm the other 32 yes psalm 32 you. is the other psalm that relates to this uh story he says uh yes. psalm 32 verse 3 when i kept silent my bones wasted away through my the, through my groaning all day long yeah for night and day and night your hand was heavy upon me my strength was set so yes yeah. So, I mean, that's what your story reminded me of. There's, it's one of the weirdest things you, you kind of, you know, you, you mentioned you got caught, but mm -hmm. there was probably also this weird sense of relief of like, yeah. okay, now I can just bring everything into the light. There's also scriptures that talk about, you know, bringing, bringing things, living in the light, like you said, mm -hmm. walking in the light is a big yes. theme of scripture. So um so what you know um in the middle of the book you have a couple chapters tell us about those the themes in those chapters yeah so i i cover basically i i describe um my three main points are describe what an empowered man looks like who who is the empowered man so if i am going to be empowered by the light of the gospel what does that look like and I, I state three main points to that, that number one, that the empowered man is known by God. Number two, that he's grown by God. And number three, that he's owned by God. And the first thing that I want to make sure that you notice by those is that who who's the actor in that? It, it's God. God is the actor in in those three primary things. It's it's actually not us. There are things that we do, but it's it's more of a posture of surrender and entrusting ourselves to, to the Lord's work in us. At least that that has been my experience of gaining freedom from uh, from an addiction to pornography. And that what happened for me, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, that I I got plugged into a CLC group right away where I finally got a chance to be around other guys who are transparent, authentic, and honest, and I could share myself out of that. And and that was what I was I was missing. I was missing that connection to other men. And and when you get connected to men like that, you you do get the opportunity to step into the light. And be known by them, but more importantly, to be known by God. In fact, in, in Galatians and I think 1 Corinthians as well, Paul talks about the distinction 
between knowing about God or being known by God. And in fact, uh, I can't remember the passage right off the top of my head, but it's in Galatians where Paul says, uh, now that you know God, and then it says, it's comma, it says, or rather that you are known by God, as if as if he's saying it's it's even more important that you are known by God, because that cannot be changed. You you can change. Our, our faithfulness or commitment to the Lord wavers, but God's strength of his faithfulness for us never wavers and uh and we can depend on that and so amen to that amen to that what i like about what you're sharing here is that so many so many of the books you read on like overcoming an addiction or something it's so much but it's so much on us it's so much yeah it's uh it's it's through willpower and um essentially um, it can lead to great either spiritual pride or yeah. or failure. Um, yeah, despair or, and depression. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's so much like dependent on us, like to to kind of shape up and and um, where you're you're coming at it from, like you know, God's perspective, which is which is the gospel perspective. I think. I mean, that's, that's so that's exactly really cool. my hope. So yeah. known by God, well then. Um, what about stage two grown by God? Yep. So Flesh grown by, out. yeah, definitely. Um, so grown by God is, is basically it, it's about the work of the Holy spirit inside of us. And Philippians two thirteen says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So again, we want as men, it's natural for us to want to muster our willpower and, and really work at, at accomplishing something and then take pride and in, in what we've accomplished and, and get the recognition for it. That unfortunately doesn't work in God's kingdom. It doesn't work that way. God, God is the actor. He's the one who's working in us through his Holy spirit. And we're called to take steps of obedience, to put ourselves in places where he can work, to step out in faith, to trust him in different ways. And that could be doing something specific However, it's it's God who's who's acting to grow us, and He's the one who's accepted responsibility for our character and moral development, not ourselves. That's awesome. Okay, well then, um, what about stage three? Yeah, being owned by God. Owned by God. That I think of the woman at the well is one of the stories I use to illustrate this, where, you know, she God had. Jesus had called her out essentially, even though, by the way, and this is a really encouraging story, by the way, because I mean, she puts, if you could, if you could equate it to like the sliver of, of her, of her fingernail into the light, she does not like, she doesn't really step in. In fact, some theologians would say she was even deceptive in how she told Jesus, I don't have a husband. Right. And Jesus says, Mm. He says, oh, that's right. You're right. You've had five husbands and the one you're now living with is not your husband. And but he encourages her with a little bitty step into the light that she that she does. So I, I, I say that just because for most men, that's a scary thing. And, and I just want to say that it takes a mustard seed of faith. It, it, it's not it's not uh, about bearing our soul, you know, and, and completely ripping ourselves open. You want to find a safe place to begin the process to start opening up and you can start little by little. But anyway, my point is um, the woman at the well, once, it, once she was known by God, 
and and then in a sense grown by God, suddenly she she's now she left her jar and she ran back into the town to the very people that she was trying to avoid, had been trying to avoid for years because of her sketchy past. She ran to them in order to tell them about Jesus, as opposed to avoiding them like she had done her whole life. That was someone owned by God. She was no longer living according to her agenda. She was completely sold out and submitted to God's will uh, in her that was now the Holy Spirit was now moving her uh, to go take the gospel to the town. And a whole town came to faith as a result of this really sinful woman with a sketchy past. And I, I, that's, that's me. I am that woman in a sense, like, obviously I'm a man. Let's not get that confused, but I, I so relate to that story because that is, I am, I'm the one who has that sketchy past that, that, and even still um, certain sinful desires that if, if I'm not careful, I don't, uh, am not diligent in protecting myself from, can still creep up and uh, and sabotage me. And so I'm having to live ever ever so in a desperate dependence on God basically. And uh, but anyway, owned by God is basically that we have we have given over our will to his, that we've submitted our will to his and now his kingdom purposes supersede our own agendas. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.